The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, one of the issues that has been a big talking point in particular on the open line on this show is the issue of the presumption of innocence. So many people are calling in, expressing a view that, you know, if an individual has a case before the court, that person must be presumed to be innocent until proven guilty. And any public opinion to that suggests otherwise is in fact an infringement on the rights of the accused. Now, we've invited Professor Henny Stradham to come onto the show. He is a professor of international law at the University of Johannesburg. Just to understand what it is that the Constitution actually says in terms of the presumption of innocence until proven guilty, what are the rights of the accused and what are the rights, I suppose, of ordinary citizens when it comes to opining on matters that are underway in the courts. Uh, Professor Stradham, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Cathy. Thanks for having me. uh, Good to hear you. Thank you so much for coming on, Professor Stradham. Just to start off, right, very basic. Does the Constitution provide the right to individuals to be presumed innocent by ordinary people until proven guilty in court? Well, that uh, principle is part of our criminal law long before the Constitution came on board. Uh, so, And it's a well-established rule in all well-developed criminal law systems. And what it means is that the, the, the accused person has no duty on him or herself to prove his or her innocence. The duty is on the state to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that a certain offense has been committed. And until that moment, uh, the accused person remains innocent. It's only when that standard, that threshold that has been established in criminal law has been complied with that a founding of guilty can be made and which then changes the circumstances. That is, uh, exp- just explain to me the distinction, uh, Prof, if you would, between the criminal process, as in um, the potential trial that an accused would have to go to, versus public opinion and conversations that may take place about an accused. Yeah, I think that is the, the real issue here, and it's, it's very good that you raised this problem. And it's been part of the public debate for a long time now. The confusion is the following. Um, Politicians use that criminal law standard or principle uh, in the political arena as well. They must separate the criminal law standards in a criminal trial from the political accountability of that person. You cannot hide behind the criminal law standard not to comply with your duties as an official under the Constitution and in terms of political accountability. Let me explain it as follows. Political accountability, which attaches to an office of a person, is a self-standing accountability principle. It has got nothing to do with the criminal law standard. And I've seen that one of the accused persons uh, in the uh, appearance on Friday even referred to uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel, who's also been accused of, of uh, corruption and all that, but mm. remains, remains the Prime Minister of the country. 
Now, that is one of the worst sort of examples that you can use. There are better examples, like Cameron's uh, resignation from his position a few years ago, the former British Prime Minister. So it's not necessary to stoop to the level of Mr. Netanyahu. If you have self-respect as a politician, and if you respect the country, and you respect the constitution, and you respect the electorate, you will step down when there are accusations of this kind against you. You cannot, in those circumstances, use the criminal law standard mm. not to step down or to try and defend you remaining in that position. And I think that is where the confusion lies. So when people in public talk about persons that must resign or step down from their positions, they refer to the, the constitutional principle of political accountability and not to the criminal law standard. And I think the two should be separated from one another very clearly. So when an individual stands up and says, I am innocent until I am proven guilty, does that mean that we as members of the public do not get to have an opinion about some of the issues that this individual might be facing before the courts and we must automatically take the position that says this person is innocent until proven guilty and therefore are unable to engage any of the other issues that may have landed them in court in the first place. Kathy, to block the opinion in those circumstances is nonsense upon stilts. Uh, When people are sort of before court on a criminal charge and there are public officials who serve at the behest of the electorate, you cannot prevent the electorate from voicing opinions on, on the accountability of that person. It has got nothing to do with a criminal trial. It, as long as it remains within the political accountability realm or regime, the electorate is entitled to speak about it and to say what they want to say about that person and the sort of ethical conduct of that person and the accountability of that person. So, so I think yeah. that is a, that's a very sound principle in any democracy. And uh, if we are serious about our democracy, we will allow that. So, uh, Prof, just to make sure I'm understanding you correctly, if any accused really, because in South Africa we have quite a number of high-profile cases that are on the go in any given day, and if they are before the court, the NPA has determined that this individual has a case to answer to. As ordinary South Africans, there isn't a burden on us because we are not part of that case, because we are not a part of those that are adjudicating over this case. There's no burden on us to then say this, innocent, this person is innocent until proven guilty. Now, you summed it up 100% correctly. There's no burden on the electorate. We are not part of that case. It is a process that is taking place in the courts. We are not sitting in judgment and we are not even involved in any kind of element concerning that case. And for that matter, we mm. can express ourselves on the accountability of that person. Let's talk about the issue of subjudicate because it's also one that comes up often. You have today, you know, lots of different cases around PPE corruption that are going to be that are under investigation by the SIU, some of them before the courts. When we ask questions about some of these matters, an answer that often comes up is that, no, I can't talk about it. This matter is subjudicate. How far does that extend? And perhaps if you can just explain what subjudicate means. 
Yeah, it means the the matter is uh, is before court now, and it is subject subject to adjudication, uh, pending the outcome of the court. Uh, it is uh, some information on that case is protected. So, uh, so say for instance, it, it, the, the questions relate to the elements of the crime and what what is what is the, ed, uh, the evidence available and what should be proven. Mm-hmm. Those matters should not be discussed in at that point in time. And uh, we will have to respect that rule. Uh, but that is a totally different uh, aspect of the criminal procedure that we're talking about. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, in, in those cases, when it deals with the, with the elements and the evidence and so on of the case, it is protected by the sub rule. Are there probabilities or even possibilities where the public opinion is concerned that whatever is decided or wherever the debate in public opinion may be going will then influence the decision-making of judges within the court of law? Well, one should uh, should expect them not to be influenced because they, they are supposed to decide cases uh, independently of, of public opinion and what's going on in the press and so on because on a daily basis, we have reporting on uh, in newspapers and on social media about cases, and I'm sure judges are aware of that. They are not living on a different planet, mm. but they they are expected because of their training and because of their experience and because of their high office and the constitutional oath, they should not be influenced by that. So, so, so that effectively means that. If I say something about a case, or if one of the uh, one of the listeners says something about a case, they should not be worried about their opinion influencing whatever a judge may determine in that matter. Because, for instance, maybe the judge was listening to the talking point on their way to the office in the morning. Yes. That happens in all societies, which are open societies. Mm. So yeah, there are new streams uh, flowing right and centre all the time, and I'm sure the judges are aware of that. But because of the office they hold, they should not be influenced, and I think that is indeed the case in most instances. All right, let's leave yeah. it there for this morning. Professor Henny Stradham, thank you so much uh, for coming on to the show today. Professor of International Law at the University of Johannesburg, uh, thank you so much for coming on to the show. In fact, uh, Prof, I think I've got one or two more questions for you. If you can just please get him back on the line, because I also just want to verify, where does the right to opine on these matters, how far does that right extend? Maybe he can also weigh in. Uh, it's just after nine. Uzile standing by with your latest news headlines. After that, I'll be taking your calls, your WhatsApp voice notes, and your messages. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. All right, you can expect more news from Uzile Sako coming up later on in the show. Professor Henny Stradham is a professor of international law at the University of Johannesburg. We're talking about the legal matter of the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. Uh, Professor Stradham, just before I let you go, I wanted just to find out, in terms of the conversations and the public opinions that then can take place, is there a limitation upon what it is that people can say that then becomes defamation or infringing on the rights of the accused? Yeah, I mean, some of these uh, the rules that will apply um, deal, in fact, with defam- defamatory matter that uh, may be made public. 
for instance, if a person uh, is before court as an accused and, and the trial has not uh, been uh, you know, finished yet, uh, to refer to that person as a criminal and as guilty uh, is defamatory. So there are ordinary rules of, of privacy and of, of uh, defamation uh, mm-hmm. that will apply in those instances as well. Um, and there may be, it will depend on, on what was the intention of the speaker mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, how it was received on the other side, was it defamatory, uh, etc. So, but those are general rules of, of our law which will apply in those circumstances. When we look at the example of Penny Sparrow, right, who was yeah. recorded on video making racist remarks, was yes. it wrong for people to be calling her a racist even before the court pronounced on that matter? Yeah, I mean, to, of course, people can do that uh, because of the things that she said. Um, and that will depend. So you see, the rule here is whether matters the family is whether it's the truth and secondly, whether it's in the public interest. Mm. So those are the rules that will apply. Um, and I think in those circumstances, it's one of those cases which may, might have allowed people to express themselves in the way they did. So, so, it, whether, so whether, the, whether mm. the, the receiver of the message, like Penny Sparrow in this case, is considered that as defam- defamatory, it's her right then to go to court and, and mm. sort of, you know, uh, entertain a, a civil, civil matter in this matter. Mm. So, so if I see, if somebody is seen stealing on video footage, let's say it's CCTV footage and they're caught stealing on camera, can yeah. you call that person a criminal, rightfully so, because they were caught stealing? Yeah, like, like for, say for instance, um, we have some cases where there's protests going on and, and uh, people jump in from outside and start looting shops and mm. it's clearly captured on, on video. Yeah, that person is a thief and maybe he's a criminal as well. Uh, but I mean, the, we use the term a criminal for persons who have been found guilty already. Mm, mm. Uh, but I think those are the, those are cases where uh, the person who's, who calls that uh, that culprit a thief or a criminal will not be dealt with too harshly, because there's a very important element that determines whether a person uh, has uh, been guilty or mm. has committed defamatory or used defamatory language, and that's the context within which it was used. So that plays a very important uh, role in, in determining that fact. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, you have to look at what was really happening, the facts available. Was there some clear evidence uh, supporting mm. that sort of uh, announcement, etc.? So context plays a very important role in, in, this, in this instance. All right. Professor Henny Stradham, let me thank yeah. you so much for your time this yeah. morning and really sharing some of your own insights into this matter. He's a professor of international law at the University of uh, Johannesburg. So a lot of clarity there from Professor Stradham on what it is that I, I don't want to say we can and can't do, but uh, what really governs then the, the the conversation and the issues around the presumption of innocence until proven guilty? I'm going to be taking your calls, the number to dial this morning, 011-714-2006. The SMS line is 41391. 
on WhatsApp at 0614-104-107 and on Twitter, it's at SFM Radio. The hashtag there is SFM Talking Point. Of course, I'd also love to hear from you on the NASFAS matter. What has been communicated to you? Are you a recipient of NASFAS? Do you know others who are um, recipients of NASFAS? And what have you been told about the fact that they're going to be cutting funding uh, to some of the courses that uh, they've traditionally funded and this will be in particular for first year students so new entrants uh, then will not be able to access that funding good morning sheikh you're calling us from durban hello hello good morning kathy the listeners and i don't know if the prophet is still there with you mm. uh, you see there's something that confuses me when i read the uh, daily news or you know one of the papers that uh, have got some incident regarding a murder or a robbery Mm. Uh, you you just asked the prof that question about a person being caught on camera uh, red-handed. That, mm. that, that's like now he's been stealing or something of that sort. Now, I, I always read in the papers that a person has murdered someone. Right, fair enough. He, he did the crime, mm. you know. It's been proven that he did the crime, uh, not in court, uh, with witnesses. But why do they call that person a suspect and not a criminal? Because already committed mm. the crime. That's my confusion. Uh, uh, you, you know, yeah, uh, Sheikh, the, the prof is gone, but if I can just recall what he said over his last answer, he said it's around the legal definitions of um, some of these matters. So uh, a criminal, he said, is actually, um, you, that's a legal term, whereas a thief is not so much a legal term. And that's why one would be called, you, you could probably get get away with calling them a thief uh, than you would calling them a criminal, because that is something that the court has to come uh, to a conclusion on. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Kathy, my, my, I'm still confused because uh, anything regarding uh, uh, police interference like uh, the SAP or, or going to court, that person has committed a crime. So crime, then you call that person a criminal. Mm. He goes to court sometimes. Mm. You know the fact. Mm. Sometimes mm. people go to court and they've committed a crime, like let's say murder. The lawyers will fight for them and they've proven not guilty, but but heartfully that person has committed the crime. Mm. So he's a criminal. I, I don't see why we should call him a suspect. Because so, uh, only yeah. the, you see, if I go into a shop and the security in the shop uh, is following me, like let's say I get into a game store or a pick and pay, and they're suspecting me that I'm going to steal something small. Okay, I become a suspect. And then I walk out with nothing and they say, hey, this guy didn't steal, so they let me go. But then I went and stole a little block of cheese or something. And then they caught me now. And then I become a criminal. I've, did, I've done a crime. Mm. A crime is something that is against the law. Mm, mm. I, I, I completely hear you, Sheikh. And you know what we've done? We've actually asked Professor Stradom to come back online because I don't want you to mm. take my answers for it because yeah. I'm certainly not an expert on this matter. Uh, Professor Stradom, thank you so much for, for staying with us. A couple of questions from our listeners that I think you'd be better placed to understand. So, Sheikh, very briefly, go for it again. Okay. Look, I've, uh, I'm confused with a person that has committed a crime definitely committed the crime but he is called a suspect right and yeah. then uh, the person is guilty not in court now he's done it you've seen him doing it like i stole something in the shop and you saw me stealing it so i cannot be a, 
I'm saying I can't go to court as a suspect. I am a criminal because the police has arrested me already. They cannot arrest a suspect. If I go to the store and I don't steal, I'm su- I'm being suspicious and I don't steal. And and the securities don't catch me stealing. Yeah. And I walked out of the store. No, they left me because I was a suspect. I didn't steal. But I stole something. Now I'm arrested. Then the SAP comes and get involved. Then there's a statement made and what have you. A okay. case is opened. All right, I check. go to court. Professor Straden? Yeah, no, um the answer is as follows. Uh, when a person is arrested by the police, they have evidence uh, which indicates that th- that person might have committed a crime. That's why he's referred to or she is referred to as a suspect. And the reason for that is quite simple. No evidence has been led at that point in time and no finding was made by the court to determine that that person, in fact, stole something and will now be found guilty. And that's why throughout the proceedings he is referred or she is referred to as a suspect when arrested and later on when a, uh, that person appears in court as the accused person. Professor Stradham, I'm going to give you an opportunity to continue with your answer after this. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. You're live on The Talking Point and our thinking point this morning was the uh, issue of the presumption of innocence until proven guilty. Professor Henny Stradham, he's agreed to stay on the line. He'll be uh, taking your questions on this issue. It's important that I think uh, he just stays with us as much as possible so that he can also clarify some of the issues that you're asking us about this morning. Uh, Professor Stradham, sorry to cut you off there before we went to that quick break. No, that's fine. Uh, the other reason why we have to, to follow this sort of, uh, you know, way of, of referring to people in, in criminal matters is because of a very fundamental rule in any sort of well-developed criminal justice system, and that's namely that the court cannot make a judgment unless the other side is hurt. It is called in Latin as the Audi Alterum Partem rule. A judgment can only be reached once the state has provided the evidence and the accused person has given, been given the opportunity to state his side of the case because there might be a justification uh, why he did it uh, and which then may reflect on his guilt or not. And that is why at the point of arrest and the, at the point of appearing in court, there is no, at that point there was no opportunity yet for the accused person to also state his or her case mm. in the matter and no finding was made by the court. So this is the reason why we use the different terms. All right. Silo, in Mokopani, good morning. Uh, Hello, Silo. Yes, yes, I'm here. Yes. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Look, I, I, I think on the topic in hand, um, in, in our country, we used to call people criminals, thieves, and so forth before the judgment. And even in this show, um, and I think <laughs> it was um, advisable for you, like you did now, to bring in the professor so that we can get this clarification mm. um, so that um, people cannot just throw around. It is their opinion, but sometimes my opinion it can be nonsense and then misleading other people. Um, but because um, people want to believe what they want to believe this case. If it's said by you, they can believe it. If it's said by those who um, want to believe me, they will do that. Even if, like I said, it's nonsense. So, 
Professor, we thank you so much for coming to clarify that we cannot go around calling people criminals and thieves and because we want to or because it is our opinion, which in fact is not true. Because opinion, in my view, is just opinion and mostly, like I said, people here that are talking nonsense. Let me leave it here today. Okay. All right. Salon Mokobani, thanks for that call. Uh, Tejani in Bloemfontein, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you. I'm all right. Uh, Kathy, on the issue of presumption uh, of innocence until proven guilty, the professor mm-hmm. is, is, is really on point there because of the fact that it is true that we need to separate a criminal proceedings that is happening in the in a criminal court with regard to your accountability mm. as an employee even an ordinary employee even if you are not a politician holding a political office somewhere even if you are an employee we have labor relations act that governs uh, the conduct or of the employees at the workplace we have the bargaining council agreement that has a disciplinary code so which means if ever we allow people to hide behind the presumption of innocence, which is which which is resident in the criminal court, it means that employers will be held at ransom where the employers will not be able to discipline an employee because the matter is still pending, the criminal matter is still pending in court. So mm-hmm. we need to separate the two so that we need to know that the employer has every right to discipline and proceed with the disciplinary hearing in spite of what happens in a criminal court, because the standards of proof are very different between what happens in the criminal court and what happens at your workplace. So he has it on point. Okay. All right, Tejani, thanks for that. Uh, Tejani okay. from out in Bloemfontein. Sandile, you're calling us from Clarkstrop. Good morning. Hello, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you, man. I just wanted to maybe come in here on... The issue where the professor said uh, a person can be called a criminal because he was seen on maybe live TV stealing or doing something. But I've seen and I've experienced more cases where someone has been discharged from the court of law saying, no, actually this is not me. That person looks exactly like me, but it's not me. And the court has proved that person to be innocent afterwards. Yeah, look, I think the prof said you, he can be called a thief, but not a criminal. Professor Stratum, do you want to come in? Yeah, no, I was just, you know, people react to incidents like that when they see something on, on TV, for instance, uh, you know, the looting of shops and so on during protests. Uh, just one example, for instance. Mm. So people will naturally respond to say that they are thieves, uh, you know, criminals, whatever the case might be. But that, that's a way of, of, you know, public comment on, on something that really happened. That doesn't mean that that person is in fact so, uh, is or is in fact a criminal or thief. It, we can only say or reach that point of confirming that once the person has appeared before court and was found guilty. And uh, I just wanted to make a distinction between the, the, the two incidences because uh, the person, say, if the public, if a person, uh, you know, watching the, the, the sort of footage saying that person is a thief or a criminal, that person hasn't got a, cr- a criminal record then. Mm-hmm. It's only once he was found guilty. Uh, but the other point was about the defamation, that one that people should be careful of using those terminology uh, in the absence of any clear 
finding that that person was in fact uh, found guilty of theft or whatever the crime might have been and uh, to, to to pronounce it in a way which uh, indicates that uh, he is in fact a thief or a criminal whatever the case might be mm, mm, mm. so so then can because often um you know i want to give an example but i'm <laughs> I'm nervous that I'm just going to create set off a whole motion of events but um hear what I'm saying often what we what what some South Africans say at least when you look at former president Jacob Zuma is that they will say the former president looted the country's resources and therefore must have a case and therefore has a case to answer to in law is that yeah. a, is that fair comment or um is it actually being unfair on the former president yeah i would say in terms of the the sort of evidence that was already in the public eye uh, that i wouldn't call that unfair comment on on the incident and they they all said that because of what we have and if you look at the sort of real um, the me- meaning of the words and and the way it was expressed mm. what they actually said is there's enough evidence uh for us to to assume that there was looting going on and we think he's got a case to answer by by doing that i actually mean he must come to court now listen to the evidence in court cross examine cross examine the uh, you know the uh, witnesses etc and testify and then the court will make uh, a finding on that and i don't think that uh, you know that kind of uh, in a, in, a, in a democracy where we have to sort of be flexible about <clears throat> about that 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 kind of comment is unfair i don't think so we're going to take a quick break i'm back with more of your calls after this and uh, professor henny stratum professor stratum thank you again uh, for staying on so i'll take your questions for uh, the prof in a moment Hashtag #sfm talking point you're live on the Talking Point, a different uh, first hour of the show that we're having this morning. We're talking about the issue of the pres- presumption of innocence until proven guilty. And Professor Henny Stradom was our guest for the Thinking Point. He stayed on and he's taking your co- your questions, especially when it comes to the legalities of this issue and really clarifying uh, some issues that I think, you know, especially on the show we've been talking about over the last uh, week or so. Dagatayo in Cape Town, good morning to to you. Uh, good morning, Katie. Yes. Thank you very much. And the prof is still there. Yes, sir. I, I disagree with the prof. Fine, he is a law expert. But you see, the first caller was trying to just explain everything vividly uh, to the professor because really we can't call someone who was caught doing something as suspect. Only a person who is still suspicious of doing something can be called suspect. But that is how our law is interpreted wrong. Another thing, when I, get, I heard, I think it was last week when they said, all those people who think that they were raped maybe 20 years back, they must come forward and say people raped them that time. My question is, how are we going to find them guilty if they did that thing 20 years back? where there is no DNA test at that time. And okay. they, 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 sorry, 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 sorry. before we prove them guilty, there must be witnesses. Same applies in this thing now. You go to the court, and those people who caught you stealing, they are still going to be met by the court you know, to present their side. Mm. 
saying that this person was doing this thing and you are going to be found guilty by the court. It's not the court that is going to find you guilty without the people who caught you doing that thing. So why can't we say the person is guilty? Because the suspect, yeah, the person who caught him, are the one who are going to be called by the court to be witnesses. Because the court itself can't say that I'm guilty killed. Okay, Professor uh, Professor Stratum, just hang on, Takatai. I want Professor Stratum just to weigh in on what you what you're asking there. Cassie, I couldn't hear the last uh, part of the the gist of the question. Sorry, mm-hmm. can you help me out on that? So basically, he's saying that the, uh, he disagrees in that somebody who has been caught uh, stealing something is a suspect. Uh, he's saying that that person is a criminal. And, you know, even when they go to a court of law in order to prove the case, they'll need witnesses there. And those witnesses who would have seen this person do do the crime are those that will be called up by the court. And, and so he, he, he wants clarity on how exactly the law works in that regard. And he also then gives an example of uh, somebody who's opening a, a case of sexual assault 20 years after the fact, excuse me, saying, how can this matter be tried when it's 20 years later? Um, there is no evidence, you know, there's no DNA, etc. So what does the court rely on to, to make a decision? Well, on the last issue, if there's no evidence that can prove the guilt of the perpetrator, then the court will enter a finding of, of not guilty. So uh, you must always remember your case is as strong as the evidence you have. Uh, if the evidence is insufficient, the court will make a finding of not guilty in those circumstances. So, And he's quite right. When a long period has lapsed since the commission of the crime or the alleged commission of the crime and the, and the court proceedings, it often happens that uh, evidence is no longer available. But where evidence is still available, they can be presented to court and the court will weigh that evidence and decide whether it was sufficient to find a person guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if not, uh, not guilty. Okay. Uh, let me quickly go to Lorraine in KZN. Lorraine, good morning. Good morning, and thanks for taking my call. Morning to the professor and your listeners. Um, I was, I'm trying to stick to the script, but somebody has already asked the question on presumption of innocence, which I, for some reason I never looked up. But seeing that the professor is there, maybe if not today, then I hope you'll have him back so we can all get our law degrees. Thanks, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I think it's a lot harder than this, eh? <laughs> don't, don't. You're supposed to encourage me. Especially to, to get to his level as a professor, yeah, Jeez. Yeah, well, you know what? Never give up. Though, so, Absolutely. But I just want to know, if and when he does come up, can he please... Um, enlighten us on what a prescribed case is, especially in view of Jacob Zuma and everything else that's pending. When will the law suggest that this case is now prescribed so we can't hear his evidence, if he ever does agree to come to court or inquiry? Well, inquiry can't be judged on that. And in a court of law, thank you. Bye. Okay, all right, Lorraine. Thanks, thanks for that. Let me take Vusi quickly before I give the prof an opportunity to close off. Uh, Vusi Midrand, hello. Yes, hello, how are you, man? Uh, I'm all right, how are you? Good, man. The prof, mm. quickly. Prof, mm. look. Ne? Currently, currently, prof, uh, we are going to check uh, our current judicial system, which is highly eroded. Uh, can you kindly deal with that? Because our judicial system, uh, prof, is highly, highly in what, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean by that, Fusi? Clarify. Yeah, highly eroded. Yes, but quickly, I've got three more minutes before news.
Yeah, 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 I'm coming because mm. uh, currently uh, the Zondo Commission, most of our people, they want to mix a court of law with the Zondo Commission, which are two separate entities. Mm. For example, uh, we know why most of our political figures are using that kind of a connotation to say innocent until proven guilty. It's because of the current narrative which is being uh, perpetuated amongst the society to say the moment they say you have steal, the moment they say you have been found to be corrupt on A, B, C, and C, it appears as if indeed you have done anything wrong. So till you go to the court of law and show us any facts, any evidence, say indeed you have done that particular uh, issue. Mm. You see, mm. then the other issue which I want the prof to deal with is our judicial system. Our judicial system, prof, is in trouble because our judicial system has been found to be appearing, for example, in the CR 17 st- bank statement, which, prof, I thought you would quickly. But, deal but, Fusi, we don't know what's in those statements, though. We don't know. I, I know the documents that you're talking about that are circulating on social media, but we don't know if, in fact, that is a fair reflection of what is contained in those documents. Let me give you another one in closing to the prof. Yesterday, the chief justice of this republic told us that there's this American foundation which approached him with 60 million to say, here is money. That on its own is proof enough that our judicial system is in trouble, bro. Okay. Okay, Vusi. Vusi calling us from Midrand. Um, Prof, I'm not sure if we, if we had you the entire time or if we lost you a bit. No, no, the call, the call was dropped and I couldn't hear there. I think there was uh, the lady from KwaZulu-Natal, I think, was still speaking when the call was dropped, so okay. I couldn't hear what was it about. Okay, so so, so Vusi, Vusi was calling, asking about, you know, matters of the judiciary. He says the judiciary is in trouble and in tatters and he'd like you to uh, speak to that issue. And also, um, you know, he says that the way in which allegations are brought against people at the state capture inquiry presents um, a narrative that says that they are corrupt. And that's why politicians will then uh, say that they're innocent until proven guilty because of this narrative that has developed around them. Yeah, OK, let's get to the commission. The commission is not a court of law, so it's gathering evidence and that evidence will be made available, I assume, later on to the prosecuting authority or whoever uh, would like to have it to determine uh, who will be prosecuted and for what. So, um, I mean, they they can use that expression, um, I mean, in, in that context, uh, that they, they sort of will only be uh, must be proven guilty and, and until that has happened, they're innocent. So uh, uh, we should not sort of uh, you know, cast the commission uh, as something different than a gatherer of evidence and to bring out a report which will be submitted to Parliament. Uh, and what will happen after that will be uh, decided upon later. Um, but, of course, that evidence can be used uh, in, in criminal trials and the, the prosecuting authority must determine uh, what evidence uh, is available and what is the, the sort of uh, standard of that evidence and where mm. they can use it and in what context. 
All right, Professor Henny Stradham, let me thank you so much uh, for your time and for coming on to the show today. He's a professor of international law at the University of Johannesburg. Unfortunately, we've completely run out of time. It's just after 10 o'clock. Utsile Saku has your latest news.